I came to the conclusion, you know what, I don't want to regret when I'm 50 years here that I didn't take that chance. The challenges I have are challenges other German subsidiaries here have with German headquarters, mm -hmm. right? We're speaking about not only a language barrier, mm -hmm. most Germans actually know English quite well. Mm -hmm. Although they sometimes don't want to speak, which is one challenge. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you have to take a more proactive approach to motivate your people. Yes. Speak more positively, mm -hmm. speak about your successes. Mm -hmm. Welcome to the Westbound Podcast. My name is Matthias Oertzen, founder and managing director of the Oertzen Group. Each month we bring you international business leaders to share their personal and professional journey in North America. Thank you for spending time with us. Now, let's get to it. Hello, everyone. I'm very excited to uh, uh, learn more today about oil uh, lubricants and additives. And I'll be doing this with my guest, uh, Sebastian Zelga, um, and he's the president of uh, Liquimoli USA. Welcome, uh, Sebastian. Thank you so much, Matthias, for having me. Yeah, absolutely. It's great that, uh, that you come. I think you're in town to visit some clients and... Uh, Correct, right? yes. Okay. As a matter of fact, after this uh, episode, I just have to run to visit the warehouse of our distributor, as well as have some nice dinner with him. So <laughs> Excellent, great. Yeah. It's, a, it's a full day and it's a pleasure to see you here. Thanks for the invite. Excellent, yeah, fantastic. That's really good. Thanks so much for coming to see us and we've known each other a little bit. I think the last time we went, we were on the West Coast together. Yes. Um, so, which is actually, I think, where Liqui uh, Moly is is headquarter, but we'll get to this in, in, in just a little bit. So yes. it's gonna be a really interesting episode learning about a uh, German oil specialty uh, or specialty oil manufacturer, you know, given that uh, Germany doesn't have any oil reserves currently, I believe. So Correct, yeah. uh, it's gonna be we're gonna be good. Yeah. But yeah. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, uh, um, I think people have already detected again another German accent, you know, yet yes. another German guest. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe tell us a little bit about Sebastian. Which is, thank you, yeah, which is sometimes a good thing, right? Because it leads into conversations with people at the store and business if they detect this German accent. Sure. So I kind of want to hide it, but I kind of don't want to hide it. So um, <laughs> it, it did help uh, one or the other instances so far in my life. Yeah, I can imagine. But uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, you mentioned it. I have a German accent. Why? Because I'm born in Germany. I'm raised in Germany. Love my country back home. But I also had always this passion for the United States here. And the reason being is my dad was in the military. He was a pilot for F4 Phantom. Mm -hmm. And in a certain age, you have to be kind of retired because it's too much stress on your body. So he got retired. Mm -hmm. And instead of being stuck at home, he bought an RV. So he took all of us out for two years when I was five years old to make a round trip in the United States. That is so cool. Okay. So with that, I really learned a lot about being every second day at a different location, at mm -hmm. a different place. So mm -hmm. it gave me this flexibility I now love and enjoy. Mm -hmm. And uh, just a curiosity to learn about new places, to, to learn new people mm -hmm. every second day, to actually detach yourself from all the material stuff which mm -hmm. we collect during time and we think we need. Mm -hmm. Hey, we had an RV, we had mm -hmm. ourselves, and mm -hmm. that's it. That's so, so cool. So I really learned to love the U.S. with its people and everything. How, how old were you when, you when when that happened? So we moved to the States when I was five years old. Okay. And we returned almost at the day of me having to go to school. Okay. <laughs> it was like middle of September and where my family was like, we have to go back now yeah. because school starts. And I was 
what is school? Like, Because <laughs> the concept of school was kind of new to me back yeah. then, right? So yeah, we came back in the middle of the countryside back to Germany. Yeah. And I was thrown into this class of people who never even got out of our county in Germany. Wow. So all of a sudden this stranger extraterrestrial Sebastian is put into the class with a lot of people who don't really know anything right. about outside of Germany, not even speaking of the United States. Sure, yeah. So that's that's great. So you were five years old when you did that two-year uh, experience, right? Or from like four to five, three to five, something like that, right? So I was like, five like, years old yeah. and I returned when I was seven. Okay, gotcha. Okay. So it was and then right years. into school. Exactly. It yeah. was like right flying back second day after into school. That's amazing. <laughs> Do you remember speaking English, uh, uh, English pretty quite, quite well at that point? Yeah. Or? Yeah. So in the US, yeah. I did speak a lot of German mm -hmm. because we were mostly within our families, sure. but I, I caught English by watching television, sure. watch, like hearing my parents speak English to other friends we met there or just strangers on yeah. RV sites, right? Yeah. So in that regard, it was easy for me to speak German. Yeah. But you know what's funny? We had we had a lot of people from the country, country, countryside in Germany. Yeah. They had a strong Bavarian dialect uh -huh. and I didn't understand them at the beginning. Oh, so wow. I came home the second day of school and I'm like, yeah. mom, I have trouble understanding them. Wow. Like they speak different than we do. So right, that's, right. that's how alien I felt in that class. But yeah, sure enough, I adapted within a couple of weeks and it was fine. And you were proper Bavarian again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly. awesome. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. So your roots in the U.S. started really early then. Okay? Really early. Yeah. And then every every summer summer break for mm -hmm. six weeks, we flew back because mm -hmm. we still, still had our RV here in the mm -hmm. States. Yeah. So we flew back and forth. My dad took care of the RV, visited yeah. family, visited friends. And actually more... Friends, because we didn't really have family here. Yeah. But friends. So friends, we yeah. revisited them, still drove around with an RV. Did your did your dad actually fly the, the, the plane here in the States for the so he's in the German army, right? Is that correct? Correct, yes. But he was flying a plane here in the States many times, right? Or not? He, there was um he had practices okay, got it. with mm -hmm. the army here. Like joint maneuvers kind of stuff. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, but he wasn't he was on no Air Force Base here station. Got it. So sure. it was only for him prior making all these connections and having these trainings with the U.S. military. Very cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So then uh, you're at Liqui Moly uh, in, in, in Germany and you still have this uh, this love for the U.S. or connection to, to U.S., right? Like how did you start with Liqui Moly? Exactly. So it began in my university days. I still didn't really know what I want to do with my life. Mm -hmm. I think as 80% of all the students in Germany, yeah. I remember. Same here. But yeah, exactly. Yeah. Same, same as I was. So I studied something which was really broad. Mm -hmm. So I kept my option, options open, right? Yeah. So instead of only economics, I mm -hmm. also liked the technical part. So mm -hmm. I studied in German Wirtschaftsingenieur, mm -hmm. which is industrial engineering. Mm -hmm with a focus on production. Mm -hmm. Why production? Not because I love it necessarily, but I was like, in Germany, we, we're, we're good in many things and maybe we're not so good at other things, but we're really good in producing and being efficient. <laughs> That's so true. If I ever need a job and I'm desperate, I always will fall back into, oh, I studied production. So right. I always like, it's like kind of like this thinking, I always have something in my hand. Sure. So while which is very german by the way it's like, very german like yeah, the yeah. risk aversity yep. and um or at least have like you have your your baseline covered so exactly say, right? i yeah. think it's very important in life yep. to like you always have a net to fall back to yep. and you can then just get up again yeah exactly so yep. falling is something we can talk later about it more i i actually like risk mm -hmm. in a certain way calculated mm -hmm. risk mm -hmm. So I'm not afraid of falling, but I do want to make sure in life, if you fall, that there is something which holds you off. Right. Because there is many examples in life where people didn't have that and mm -hmm. that you really crush hard and mm -hmm. it can crush you. Mm -hmm. yep. so, so in that regard, I think having a good study is something I would recommend to everyone. Absolutely. It's yep. some, you learn something, you have more experience mm -hmm. and you have 
you just have it in your pocket and yeah. you're good, right? Yeah, absolutely. And then what, what else are you going to do? You know, like I, idleness is a devil's workshop, I think is what Rose, Roosevelt's wife said. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's there's something to that, you know, not, not doing something, you know, like we could go into apprenticeships right now as well, you know, we'll maybe do that later. But yeah, yeah just staying busy and purposeful and being having having something that, that is meaningful in your life. So very cool. So exactly. you got that degree, okay. Got that degree. Yeah. And during that degree, we had some practice learning about the industry. Mm -hmm. So learning about production and so on. So I had the chance to work for bigger German companies during mm -hmm. that time, right? Mm -hmm. So I was uh, for half a year at Porsche. Mm -hmm in Stuttgart. Mm -hmm. So I had the chance to move to Stuttgart for half a year and we worked together with a company and uh, I really would, I always loved to work for Porsche just because it's an amazing car brand. Yeah. Good quality, known internationally, very successful, amazing good cars, people, yeah. amazing cars. <laughs> yeah. So I was in the a department which really intrigued me a lot. It is called headquartered in Atlanta, by the way, um, for the US. That. Yeah. I learned that. Yeah. Yep. And the Porsche Experience Center. Um, next time you'll come, we'll go. They have a very nice uh, restaurant. It's called the 356. You mm -hmm. know, as the 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 model, the Porsche 356. Yeah. And uh, it overlooks the racetrack, and it's uh, so it's pretty cool. And then the customer experience. It's a it's a really fun thing to do. I mean, you get to choose all these different cars and you know take them on the track. I think mm -hmm. there's one out west too, isn't it? In LA? is it is it in California? Might be. Might be. Might be. Or yeah. they were planning one, but anyways, they're headquartered here. They yeah. also have, and uh, don't take my word on it, but yeah. I think it's the Experience Center, which has a repair shop facility there. Mm -hmm. and I'm pretty sure they use our oil. Oh, that's cool. Way. That's yes. great. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, premium car, premium oil, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. It's a really good match. Yeah. And people who drive Porsche love their cars, so mm -hmm. they do their research on the internet and see what's best for their car. And, Often enough, they stumble across that brand yeah. here. So yeah. really proud to say that. Yeah. But yeah, so Porsche is something I, I got my first real experience what it is to work in a corporation. Because mm -hmm. let's be honest, it's a corporation. It's not a small family business. Mm -hmm. It's uh, several thousand people work there. Mm -hmm. And the department I used to work was called exclusive and tech equipment. Not equipment, but technical mm -hmm. equipment, mm -hmm. tech equipment. And it was like an organization within the organization. So it was... It was part of the corporate structure, but it was still small enough. It kind of managed itself from purchasing mm -hmm. to realizing projects mm -hmm. to selling these projects within the Porsche organization. So if you, Saudi Arabian car owner, wanted your Porsche in gold, mm -hmm. we would try and see if it's feasible mm -hmm. and we would actually execute on that. <laughs> so it was That's awesome. And, and fair enough, it was not myself. Mm -hmm. I was there as like helping out like sure. as an intern, but I could see the whole process and mm -hmm. learn about it. So I really loved having insight in many different mm -hmm. angles of the business from purchasing to sales, which is not often the case in any corporation. Yeah, right? You're like in your little silo. Yeah, yeah, very specialized. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I loved the professional and good quality work, mm -hmm. but I also loved the fact that I could do a lot and I could see a lot from mm -hmm. purchasing to sales, mm -hmm. right? So that kind of gave me the idea I don't necessarily want to work for a corporation mm -hmm. unless it's something I could oversee different angles of the business. Mm -hmm. But I like the professionalism. I like the how you're perceived as a Porsche employee in that mm -hmm. time, right? Like mm -hmm. they were seen as they're good quality people who know about quality. So I'll, I really like that aspect of it. So 
yeah, my hunt for a good job in future, which I still didn't know by the time, yeah. was continuing, but I kind of knew already a couple of angles, which I really liked a lot about that Yeah, job. and so often as early in your career, it's about eliminating what you don't like, right? Correct. It's, I'm sure you got to see a bunch of stuff like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to be the guy who has like a good salary, good position, but at the end of the day, my scope of decision making is <laughs> whether the stitching in the car is red or blue. <laughs> That's not really what I would yeah, like. So I get it. It has to be a little bit bigger, the scope. Sure. Yeah. So sure enough. Back to uni, uh, was doing my bachelor thesis with Carl Zeiss Vision. They mm -hmm. do glasses. Um, they, uh, they're known for many things worldwide. Mm -hmm. they, they have a whole MidiTech mm -hmm. operation in Oberkochen. Super good company, but not really the field with I w which I felt enthusiastic about, right? It's more the automotive world, which I felt this is what I want. Yeah. So after my university, I remember back because before university, I was doing internship with Likimoli, which gave me good insight. Ah, interesting. And that's then when I rethought, you know what? I want to combine that professionalism, mm -hmm. which I saw at Porsche, together with automotive, mm -hmm. together with I can grow within a company mm -hmm. to a point that I can see many different angles. Mm -hmm. And Likimoli combined all of that. So that gave me the motivation to start in 2014. With okay. Yeah, excellent. And how did you start? What, what kind of position did you hold there? What did you do for them? So it was junior export sales manager. Okay. So going into sales at that point for sure. Correct. Yeah. It was definitely the, the path I was led into. Yeah. But the nice thing about what the company offered me was a whole program of seeing the different departments. Okay. So I could see purchasing department, mm -hmm. the marketing department. Mm -hmm. In every department, I had like a month or two time. Was this very purposeful or something you lucked into? Was this kind of a, like a high potential development kind of program? or? or? I would love to say yes, yeah. but uh, I don't know if they saw any high potential by then. <laughs> it, was more, it was more a path. More path. Okay. It's more a path yeah. which the company, company I still think offers for young, okay. engaged, enthusiastic, and motivated. Yeah, what people. a great way to, you know. Exactly, yeah. because that it's not only that you, it's not only that you learn about appreciating the work the accounting department mm -hmm. does, but mm -hmm. also to learn the people behind it. Sure. So grabbing a phone and making a phone call two, three, four years later in mm -hmm. your career when you're sitting here in the states yeah. is way easier because instead of hello, Mrs. X Y Z, you can say. Hello, Sabine. Yeah, yeah. Please help me out. <laughs> so it facilitates a lot in your day. Yeah, that's fantastic. Right? Yeah, it's, it, this reminds me of, um, so I did an apprenticeship to be in Großen Außenhandelskaufmann yeah. in, in, in Germany. And uh, one of the uh, uh, like programs the, the company had was to follow the Lieferschein is a German word, mm -hmm. you know, so it's uh, like an order document, like PO. delivery slip. P yeah, PO, delivery slip. Yeah. It was the document that at the time, this is before digitalization, would travel throughout the organization to get an order actually mm -hmm. done, right? So the, one of the things they had is as you started in the apprenticeship, actually in the yeah. first year, you would follow this document on a, uh, on a six-month rotation throughout yeah. uh, the entire company. Well, that's also very smart. It way. was super cool because yeah. after, I think it was 36 weeks because there's six different departments, you had spent six weeks in each um, department you had mm -hmm. followed this document through so you completely understood okay what did, mm -hmm. there was an order taken by a salesman or, or an order made then it, it went into logistics then it went to warehousing mm -hmm. from there it went to uh, accounting then it went to shipping receiving so there was all these different uh, so um, kind of reminded me of that so a little offshoot there yeah I think it's very helpful because you kind of conceptually put together what is this company about and exactly. what may I like and which what may I not like? Yeah, yeah. I, I guess so many people work in companies where they're in their silo 
and they actually don't really know what it's about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they do an amazing job, fantastic on a daily basis, but what's the bigger picture behind it? Yeah. And whether it's purposefully done this way or not, mm-hmm. I think it helps. Transparency helps to make people understand the job. Other ones do appreciate that job. Yeah. And maybe even go beyond that and say, you know what? I know what you have to deal with. I'll make life easier for you. So let me make that stamp before that. Yeah. Or let me make this so your life is easier. Yeah, yeah right? so totally. Yeah. So, um, Again, whether it's purposefully done, some some companies like that compartmentalization. Did I say that right? Yeah, I think you said it right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and it has that many syllables too. <laughs> yeah. Or uh, or not, but uh, it's definitely it helps. And big companies, I think Procter and Gamble, Unilever, they purposefully put people in certain key positions. Mm-hmm. After two years, they have to rotate. So all of a sudden, you see the head of accounting in a different position. Yeah. So has many reasons, but mm-hmm. one of the reasons is to learn and appreciate the other's work. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So you're a junior export um, sales manager. I got that right, right? Yes. Okay. Um, at Liquimoli. So mm-hmm. I think this is, before we keep going on, on your path to the U.S., let's talk a little bit, little bit about Liquimoli. Maybe you yeah. can give us the cliff notes about who the company is and what makes it so special. So the company Liquimoli, I think I'll start with the name. Mm-hmm. It stands for Liquid. Mm-hmm. Molybdenum disulfide, mm-hmm. which is, a, it's kind of, it looks like a graphite powder, like a black powder, mm-hmm. which reduces friction at the end of the day. If mm-hmm. you put that powder between two metal plates and you rub it against each other, mm-hmm. the reduction of wear, reduction of friction is the result. Okay. So that in a motor where you have things rubbing against each other is huge. Mm-hmm. So Liquimoli was one of the first companies coming up with a solution for the cars, adding that specific powder in a fluid solution into the motor oil mm-hmm. so the friction is less. Yeah, cool. So that was one of our first products. It's mm-hmm. a motor oil additive. Mm-hmm. So Liquimoli, with a name, Liquimoli, liquid molybdenum disulfide mm-hmm. stands for one of the key ingredients of our first product. Mm-hmm. It's a really catchy additive. name, Liquimoli. And also yeah. the logo is kind yeah. of is kind of catchy, right? Mm-hmm. Some people don't know Liquimoli if I say it, but if I show the logo, yeah. then they kind of recognize mm-hmm. it again. Yeah. So we started with that additive, mm-hmm. but then soon enough we added oils to mm-hmm. the whole game because it was kind of a natural mix to have not only additives but oil as well. Mm-hmm. So we have a full range nowadays oils, additives, car care products. Mm-hmm. And in the United States, we kind of try to duplicate that line. So we have out of 4,000 SKUs in Germany, mm-hmm. we run about 400 SKUs. Mm-hmm. Just because we cannot import everything, there's restrictions, sure. some products don't make sense. Right. So we kind of cherry pick the best ones, the mm-hmm. best sellers, the yeah. ones this market needs the most. Yeah, And we made sure that they're compliant with restrictions, compliant with ingredients, formulations, mm-hmm. labeling. Mm-hmm. And ever since ever since about 30 years, we distribute that line here in the States. Yeah. 15 years ago, we started a subsidiary. Mm-hmm. And uh, about six, seven, eight years ago, we really started to run with it to and run with to it. grow the business. Yeah, yeah, that's excellent. And so the company is, when was it founded? Was it in the 50s, right? 57. 57, okay. Correct. Yeah. Uh-huh. We do have... A company, so Liquimoli acquired its oil producer, Meguin, mm-hmm. which produced all, way back all the oils for Liquimoli. We acquired it a couple of years back already, so mm-hmm. it's all in one hand. Mm-hmm. And Meguin produces the oils for Liquimoli. And where's Meguin? Meguin is based in Saarlouis, mm-hmm. 
which is uh, close to the French border. Okay. And Meguin produces the oils for the company. Okay. So Liquid Moly itself, itself produces the additives mm -hmm. and Meguin produces the oils. Okay. But it's all under one roof. Okay. Mm -hmm. And why I say that is because Meguin actually has experience with lubrication since the 1850s. Oh, wow. Okay. So if you combine that... So Meguin is a refinery, right? Is that correct? It's, it's they, they, yeah, they, no, it's not a refinery. Okay. It's a it's an oil blender. An so oil basically blender. Okay. they, they yeah. mix... They mix raw, like uh, base oils, mm -hmm. together with additive packages, okay. add their secret sauce to it, Got it, and fill that into from a one liter canister mm -hmm. into totes. We call it mm -hmm. it's a thousand liter IBC container. Mm -hmm. Yeah, wow, that's incredible. Yeah. So yeah, that exists since 1850 already. So a long history and a lot of knowledge. Yeah, I can imagine. Which went into that company. So was uh, some of this development or this need for you know. Uh, with friction assisting uh, oils, was it OEM driven, like the big brands like Mercedes, Porsche, BMW, uh, those, or was this very much an aftermarket? How, what came first, so to say? Yeah. So first, in the, in the you went ask yourself, 1850s, there was no cars, mm -hmm. yet, right? So That's right. It was kind of the, is it called stagecoach in English? Kutsche? Kutsche, yeah, I think it's a stagecoach, yeah. Right? I'm thinking Wells Fargo, you know, the red... Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's a stagecoach. Yes. Yeah. So, so they in their wheel hubs and everything, they mm -hmm. needed special greases already. So that's kind of mm -hmm. what okay. it started with, amongst mm -hmm. others. Mm -hmm. And then we were getting into motor oils soon in the yeah nineteen like uh, in the in the in the nineteen ten nineteen twenties we started with that mm -hmm. effort. So your question was it OEM driven? We always try to adhere to the standards, the OEMs give to us, mm -hmm. whenever you develop an mm -hmm. oil or mm -hmm. whenever you develop a car, let's start here, mm -hmm. the motor asks for specific specifications, right? Because mm -hmm. tolerances get smaller, smaller, mm -hmm. smaller. You want to make sure on the one hand that it's lubricated fast enough mm -hmm. You start the motor, cold start. Mm -hmm. It takes a while until the oil gets to the last point of the motor. Mm -hmm. On the same hand, you do want to also ensure that the lubrication is still there because the thinner the oil, mm -hmm. it kind of seems like the less you lubricate it, mm -hmm. right? So you need to make sure it's fast enough in every single corner, mm -hmm. but it still lubricates, plus all the other properties an oil has, mm -hmm. anti-corrosion, bringing away the dirt, bringing it to the filter. Mm -hmm. so, so, so basically, all this knowledge has to go, you construct a motor, for example, engineer, BMW, mm -hmm. they construct a new motor, mm -hmm. but they already have to think about the tolerances what does the oil have to do to make that motor work as it should? So they come up with a whole spec sheet what the oil should do. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, let's call it there's a receipt, mm -hmm. like a recipe, excuse mm -hmm. me, a recipe yeah. about how the oil should work. What should it do? Yeah. And that's the recipe of that oil. Ah, so we formulate oils according to that recipe. Mm -hmm. And you have always a little bit of wiggle room to make an oil even better, to exceed certain specifications, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So it is OEM driven 100% because they tell us what the oil has to look like mm -hmm. at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. But it's up to us to, to, to source the best ingredients for it. Because you can meet a spec, just meet it, mm -hmm. or you can exceed, exceed it in it. a certain way. Yeah, so you work very closely with engine development at the OEMs, you know, your, your applications people or salespeople and... Correct. In, yeah. At the end of the day, if you want to have an approval, mm -hmm. so there is recommendation or approval. Mm -hmm. Most of our oils actually have the approval, which means that the researchers, the R&D departments of the OEMs, they give you a formal approval letter mm -hmm. if you meet these specifications. Mm -hmm. So with that letter, you're good to write on your bottle. I'm not sure if you see it on that bottle mm -hmm. here. 
on this line it says actually specifications and approvals and you can read approvals such as MB229.5, mm-hmm. which is Mercedes-Benz. Mm-hmm. 229.5 is the approval of that specific okay. Interesting, oil. very yeah. interesting. So now that probably means you can distribute it to the entire dealership network and, and, and those kind of things. So Correct. it's been cleared by headquarter of the OEM and you're yeah, good exactly. to go. Okay. Yeah. And you, you'd be surprised, a lot of repair shops mm-hmm. are not really aware of that concept. Mm-hmm. So. That's why many repair shops still stick to, oh, on the oil cap, it says competitor name XYZ. Right. That's why I have to use that. Mm-hmm. And after we educate them, this is where our sales people come in. Mm-hmm. It's more educators in the market, right? right? After they're being educated and they see the official approval letter with the Mercedes logo and everything that this specific oil is approved by Mercedes, then it puts away all their concerns. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you can have an intelligent conversation about what fluids can we substitute in the repair shop to right. make their life easier? Right, right, right. right. Life easier, speaking, not only acquisition costs, we're speaking about consolidating certain specifications mm-hmm. to, instead of using three different types of oils and having a lot of sort, one oil bottle can consolidate a lot of different approvals. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, instead of 10 different products, hey, you only need two different products, mm-hmm. which makes the whole life of the repair shops easier. Fantastic, that's great, yeah. that's. Uh... Yeah, we'll get to this in just a minute, talking about the USA. And uh, so you're the junior export sales manager. How did you immediately have to uh, deal with the US or? No, not really. I wanted to. I wanted to. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to, but no, I first dealt with countries, uh, was Belgium, Luxembourg and Holland. Okay. Just uh, was very, the proximity of it, right? From Ulm to Belgium, it was a six hour drive. Okay. So cost of traveling was lower. Mm -hmm. They wanted to give me territories where I cannot screw up a lot because they're not too huge, these countries. They're right. beautiful, these countries. Sure. But just, uh, there's not too many cars compared to other countries, sure. right? Yeah. And uh, I love Belgium. Mm-hmm. just want to give that as an example. Yeah. People, amazing. Food, amazing. The history of the cities, great. Yeah. One of the best places I've been to. That's cool. But I never liked the weather there. <laughs> <laughs> I never liked the weather. It was always raining when I was there, right? Yeah. And according to the people, when it's raining, they're just, uh, yeah, they're minding their own business versus being, like in California now, being open and nice and friendly. Yeah. It was was challenging, right? Mm-hmm. And I never really got into the culture of these three countries too much. They have their own culture. Even mm-hmm. though they're so close, they have their own culture. Yeah. But I didn't love traveling there because of the weather. And in my back of my head, I always had this calling. Like US, 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 US. Yeah. So, well, I thought... There's a lot of things I can do now, but mm-hmm. I think the best strategy is to do the best I can mm-hmm. to show the value of me adding to that company mm-hmm. and to do a great job mm-hmm. and then to try to focus on anything in the North American market mm-hmm. just to get a foot into it, sure. right? Sure, So Did they have a, st- well, I guess they had some kind of export sales manager that was working in the U.S. There at was the already a CEO implemented. Oh, already in the U.S. Yes, okay. correct. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Good guy. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I was working my, my butt off, if mm-hmm. I'm allowed to say that here. Sure, you <laughs> I was are. working yeah. my butt off. Yeah. And uh, then I, I learned that the Mexican market might need some support. Mm-hmm. So what I did is I told my boss, hey, listen, I love these countries I've worked in right mm-hmm. now, but I would love to extend my doings yeah. and go to the North American market. Sure, and sure. I, I learned in Mexico, like we need some help. Yeah. He's like, do you speak Spanish? I'm yeah. like, well, I had it in, in high school and in, <laughs> in, in university a little bit. Yeah. Not fluently right now. He's like, speak Spanish and come back to me. Yeah. So every night I learned for an hour Spanish vocabulary. Mm-hmm. So I 
had like a vocabulary custom, a vocabulary box, yeah. just very traditional, just wrote down all the vocabulary, learned, 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 sure. read, read, read. Yeah. And after three months, I had an interview with him again, yeah. and I spoke in Spanish. Yeah. So he was very impressed by that. That's so, fantastic. And, so, and I've seen you speak Spanish, actually, the last time we were in California, and I was impressed. And I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, there we go. You know? like, <laughs> yeah, it, it really helped me though, yeah. all the way through. Yeah. So yes, to all the listeners, learn languages. It's the key to any culture, any... And the people will love you if you speak their language. For yeah, their exactly. Language, right? just and it try. opens you so much new doors. Yeah. And it's fun on top of that. Yeah. So I learned Spanish and made a point that I will be the right guy for the Mexican market. Mm -hmm. Well, after a long back and forth, he was like, you know what? Let's do it. And I told him I would love to live in Mexico mm -hmm. because I want to be close to the market. I want mm -hmm. to visit the repair shops, visit the distributors, teach them how to do it, just mm -hmm. like we did in the Benelux countries. Yeah. So he gave me a chance and already got in contact with our distributor there, got an apartment. Mexico so, City? Mexico City. Yeah. Got an apartment, but I never lived there. Okay. Why? Because about three, four weeks before I actually moved there, the position of CEO of Likumuli USA became free. Ah, okay. So I was asked if I would be interested in that. Mm -hmm. And of course I was interested yeah, in that, Yeah, absolutely, right? yeah. So I had 24 hours to decide. Yeah. It was kind of a quick thing we had to do. Right. Because for me, the implication was really to move to the United States then mm -hmm. versus Mexico. Yep. Like to put everything again on my plate, revisit where I want to live and so on. But after a sleepless night mm -hmm. of... Weighing pros and cons. They, they literally gave you 24 hours. That is so true. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, like, so yeah. okay. Well, it took me probably 16 hours to decide. Yeah, right? yeah. So making a very German pros and cons list yeah. and uh, weighing actually the individual uh, arguments I had. Sure. I came to the conclusion, you know what? I don't want to regret when I'm 50 sure. that I didn't take that chance because so, I was 27 back then. 27. Okay, yeah. I was about to ask that. Yeah. Wow. Okay, 27. What was the state of... Um, well, I mean, we're sitting here to go. You made the decision to go, so that's great. Exactly. But um, the uh, what was the state of Liquimoli US? Um, you know, as you were pondering that decision, the state was we had sales growth mm -hmm. that was positive, but for a country with two hundred and eighty million cars and a brand like we have, we just felt we didn't get enough out of it. Mm -hmm. So the state was, we had roughly 10 salespeople here mm -hmm. in the States. Mm -hmm. We had sort of a marketing strategy, but with nobody being here present in the market from Germany, from mm -hmm. headquarters, who could play the translator. Yeah. And I'm not saying the actual English to German translator, yeah. but the cultural, cultural translator. translator yeah. It was very difficult for us yeah. to manage the States from Germany. And yeah. again, the former CEO, he did a good job, the best he could, but he was based out of Germany. So oh, he was, was based really, out of Germany. Mm -hmm. Okay. So yeah. for me, the implication was if I don't want to have the same path like he did, if I want to do things differently, gain the trust of the headquarters, I have to move. The implication was right. I have to move to the States right. to understand the people, to learn for myself first sure. and foremost, yeah. to show the people in the States who used to work for us already mm -hmm. that... I'm in for it. Mm -hmm. I'm not shy to get my hands dirty as well, to visit the repair shops, mm -hmm. to understand the whole business, to visit the distributors, mm -hmm. to get with the marketing agencies, just everything which needs to be really done. Really hands-on, yeah. Hands-on. I, yeah. I needed to know the game. Right. So it took me a couple of years to kind of, and I still learn every day. Yeah, right? sure. But, uh, it, it took me a certain while to understand it properly. So the, the CEO, the one uh, that was leading the US operations from, from Germany, did he uh, retire or exit the company? Or how did the position come open? Yeah, he exited the company. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. 
Excellent. And then, uh, yeah, within 24 hours, you had to make the decision. Exactly. And, okay, very good. And then, and then my first year, basically, so I took, the, I took the decision. Yeah. And within the next week, I booked my, fly, my plane tickets. Yeah. It was 2016 in March. Right. And I flew to Seattle. Yeah. It was my first destination. Why Seattle? Because we had our supervisor for the salespeople there. He was based in Seattle. Okay. So I was visiting him. He showed me around Seattle. And me arriving in the US, absolutely with my, with my, all the prejudice I had, like, oh, there's no healthy food here yeah. in the States. Like everything, which <laughs> sure. sometimes like you, you think you know yourself, right? Sure. Because remember the last time I've been there was as a child. And yeah. Yeah. My parents cooked for me in the RV. So sure. it was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And all I saw was then outside McDonald's, Taco Bell and so on. Right, so, right. Yeah. So he kind of explained to me how the current system works, mm -hmm. what he thinks is good, what he thinks we can do better. Mm -hmm. And a really big kudos to him. He taught me a lot. Mm -hmm. His name is Dave. Mm -hmm. Very good. Very good guy. He's still with the company. That's awesome. Yeah. And he taught me a lot. He also taught me that there's healthy food in the United <laughs> States. And uh, yeah, soon enough, the first, the first year was about getting the hands dirty and yeah. traveling. So the first three months, I didn't go back to Germany. Mm -hmm. I was living every three, four days in a different hotel. Yeah. In all the states, it was great on the one hand, but very exhausting on the other hand. Because mm -hmm. every three, four days, you change the hotel. You kind of have to wash your clothes in hotels sure. and laundry stations sure. and so on. And yeah. And, and suck in everything you see. Yeah. Not a lot of talking, but more listening. Yeah. So I listened to my salespeople. And again, we had close to 10 back then. So mm -hmm. I made sure to visit all of them. Mm -hmm. So they know me mm -hmm. and made sure to visit most of our distributors back then sure. to get a complete picture after mm -hmm. three, four months. Mm -hmm. And after these four months, Matthias, I realized, okay, I have to move to the States because mm -hmm. I don't want to live in a constant jet lag. Yeah, sure. Plus I have to be close to the market to yeah. gain credibility with my own people. Sure. And yeah. I think so my teammates who, really. Who are you reporting to at this at this time? Like, there's uh, you had who was did you there speak directly a, to the CEO or was there a, a, another export like there an was international an export, international export director? Got it. Okay. I was reporting to him, but I'm also really. I was really lucky that they kind of left me alone. Yeah. I think they saw they saw my motivation, mm -hmm. and passion, and drive. Yeah. They must while have. I mean, being, it's incredible. Yeah. While being in the Benelux countries. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was obviously giving them feedback constantly. Mm -hmm. So there was not too many more questions they would ask. Mm -hmm. And they liked what they saw. Mm -hmm. They liked my openness to the team, mm -hmm. my kindness to the team, mm -hmm. the respect, the mutual respect, mm -hmm. the fact that I, I'm not behind a desk and think I know it all. Yeah. But the fact that I'm actually willing to learn till today. Sure. And uh, if somebody is smart and intelligent, well, I listen to you. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm open for any consult. Mm -hmm. If somebody's even better than I, you mm -hmm. know, you want to work for me, even mm -hmm. better. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. it's not, many people don't want to hire people who they think they are more intelligent, more passionate than them. Right. I love that. If somebody is like sure. that, please apply for the position yeah, yeah. here. We always make, we always make space for good people, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. So yeah, I reported back then to, uh, to our export director. Mm -hmm. He also left after two years. So then I, reported directly to the CEO, to the former CEO of Likumoli okay. for a certain period of time, yeah. which was great because again, he left me alone. I just did whatever I thought yeah. would be the right thing for Likumoli to do. I mean, it's just incredible that an organization uh, is, is letting a 27 year old, uh, you know, give him the reins and, you know, just judge him by their performance, right? And no other prejudice, right? Age yeah. and- And I really have to say also yeah. thank you to the company to let me do that, to mm -hmm. always have the confidence because sure. it's it's hard to do that in my position if you think they don't really trust you right. whatsoever. So yeah. they always have my back. Yeah. 
And I think it was really mutual. And feeling that motivated me to really give my best and not screw up things. Sure, absolutely. And I also love the fact that, hey, if a mistake is being done, mm -hmm. no problem. Mm -hmm. Do it better the next time. Right. Avoid the mistake. Mm -hmm. So they really encouraged that policy, mm -hmm. that way of doing business, which I also encourage my own people. Yeah, that's fantastic. So when you, uh, so you take over and uh, you're learning over those three months, you know, kind of just getting the lay of the land, right? What's going on, what's working, what's not working, just listening to people. Yeah. What, uh, what, so what, what was sales at that, at that point? Roughly, we were a little bit over $15 million. $15 million, also. okay, yeah. gotcha. And headcount? 10. 10 people. 10 people. 10 people got it. And yeah. what, what does the company look like today? So we're now having 50 plus people. Mm -hmm. So only salespeople were looking at 43. Mm -hmm. 44, it changes kind of every day we're hiring. <laughs> sure, sure, <laughs> so, sure. Yeah. So uh, we have 43 teammates, 44 teammates in sales. Mm -hmm. And we have uh, another eight in our back office, mm -hmm. which is basically marketing mm -hmm. and admin. Mm -hmm. so gotcha. And sales are 50. now? Like we're looking at 100 million. 100 million. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So 10x um, pretty much over a period of how many years? So I started in 2016, 17 mm -hmm. till now. So yeah. six, seven years. Wow, that's incredible. I mean, and uh, it's really thanks to the people I have. Sure. Because what I said before, yeah. open to hire all the good people in this world. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and having the right people makes things not only easier, but it makes you successful. Sure. So I don't want to be the smartest guy in the room. Mm -hmm. I love surrounding myself with mm -hmm. good, passionate, intelligent people, mm -hmm. not only privately, but also in my business life yeah. and in my own company. Here. Yeah. So I call it my own company. It's not my own company, yeah. but I feel like this is well, like the but thing we built. This, but this is what it takes, right? You have, I mean, you come over here, it's uh, the entire continent. Um, and there is, uh, yes, your team had your back in Germany, but uh, for at least six hours a day, you're on your own, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> I mean, and living... On the West Coast, yeah. it's basically nine hours. maybe the like, exactly it's <laughs> yeah. nine hours difference. So it's hard. You get up. Yeah. You, you want to start your day traditionally at eight o'clock. Sure. But guess what? At eight o'clock, it's five o'clock in Germany. Right. And Germans are very efficient workers, but they're also very good when it it's five o'clock. They do want to like go back home. Which yeah. It's it's yeah. the culture there, and yeah. I don't. They're very efficient and working, very hard workers. So yeah. they deserve it to go home at five. Yeah. Which makes my my life sometimes harder because sure. you're sometimes some days on your own, or you start at five six o'clock in the morning. Sure. Which I definitely started at the beginning of my journey here. Mm -hmm. It was just necessary to have that time window of two three hours to yeah. be able to communicate. To communicate. Yeah. But now I would say we're running mostly ourselves in the states. Mm -hmm. There is not a lot we need. Mm -hmm. They're always there when we need them, mm -hmm. but there's not a lot we need. So basically, we don't need too much overlapping time to work. Together. Got it. Or less, maybe a few times a week or something yes. like that. Yeah, that's And I do like working out sometimes before my work. So, <laughs> yeah. so otherwise, I would have to get up at three or four o'clock. To work morning, out which, and then talk to Germany. <laughs> yeah, totally open. I, I'm not a fan of getting up at four o'clock. Yeah, I, I don't think anybody is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, how do you position the product here? That I really liked hearing this earlier and I wanted to get back to it, you know, because I had said this in prior podcasts so many times, uh, you know, German companies, European companies, they become highly hyper competitive in the European market, you know, to increase, to have marginal growth, right? Because there's so much competition. Mm -hmm. uh, I know some of your competition. 
uh, and, uh, and you end up having uh, you know, 4,000 variants of, of the product or add-ons or such. How did you come to the decision to dial down to, you know, this is the core products that we should be selling? I'm very fortunate to have an amazing technical engineer mm -hmm. to my disposal. His name is Stefan. Thank you, Stefan, for everything you do for us. Uh, he's, uh, he's also like, I'm 24-7 available with WhatsApp, with phone calls. And he travels to the States quite frequently, so he knows the market in a technical way very, very well. Mm -hmm. So he's on top of what's needed here, what's demanded here. I can only say so much, know so much. Mm -hmm. He's really the one who fills the last percentages of, hey, we actually need this specific specification for this transmission type because mm -hmm. there is 10,000 cars in there. Mm -hmm. Knowledge I don't have, but mm -hmm. he has, right? Mm -hmm. So we, we started with a pretty good foundation of products, mm -hmm. which when I started with, so my the person prior of me managing it did already a good job in that. Mm -hmm. But then we reviewed the whole catalog. Okay, what's the German catalog? Mm -hmm. 4,000 products. Oh, mm -hmm. there's potential in this one. Mm -hmm. There's potential here after my three-month journey, right? Mm -hmm. I was like, why don't we sell this here? Why mm -hmm. don't we sell this? With some products, we found out there's a reason because mm -hmm. there's restrictions. EPA restrictions. Okay. TSCA restrictions. Mm -hmm. So there's a top toxic substance control act okay which restricts you to import certain products okay. which have certain ingredients okay the same other way around right we mm -hmm. europeans we also restrict certain ingredients which is totally normal in the u.s to use mm -hmm. we in europe say ah they're not so good to mm -hmm. use and vice versa so yep. it's really a so we we kind of reviewed it in every single angle but we did find a lot of products which hey we need to have them in the states mm -hmm. so that's how we extended our portfolio and went from probably 200 to 400 products. To 400 products, yeah, fantastic. And then what's the, so, I mean, I, you know, I like motorcycles, so I know a little bit about oil. I like to do my own oil changes and such, yeah. you know. So there's Valvoline, and then there is uh, like a million different oils you, yeah. you can buy, right? Why do I buy Liquimoli oil? Like, what was, the, what was the USP? Like, why did the United States need uh, a specialty German oil manufacturer? Very good question. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. how, do you, how do you make an oil change? Do you change it yourself or do you go to a dealership or an independent repair shop? So on my car, I go to a dealership and have them do it. Yeah. On my motorcycles, I like to do it myself. Okay. Yeah. So on your motorcycle, it's likely if you do it yourself that you will do your research. Either you mm -hmm. ask a good buddy of yours who is maybe happens to be a tech YouTube ah, <laughs> yeah. or yeah. exactly so either the buddy yeah for the buddy we try to influence your buddy mm -hmm. in the sense of we're present in the industry conventions trade shows we're present in in motorcycle clubs we're present in many things which have touching points with your hypothetical buddy mm -hmm. who could consult you mm -hmm. but in your in, in in your world right now it's mm -hmm. youtube mm -hmm. so in youtube if you look up oil change there might be an influencer mm -hmm. who does an oil change and he happens to have a certain brand which mm -hmm. then you maybe want to duplicate what he's doing mm -hmm. right yeah we try to get that influencer mm -hmm. so we've worked together with influencers mm -hmm. There's forums, which mm -hmm. we also try to get into, mm -hmm. but forums are more for me, mm -hmm. something which is a result of our doing. So we don't try to get our text on, on forums because mm -hmm. that just sounds not right. Because mm -hmm. it's obvious, it smells like there's something wrong, right? Sure. So we want people to talk on forums about things we do outside of the forums, sure. namely being on cars and coffees, being with influencers, mm -hmm. uh, teaching about the product. Mm -hmm. to, your, to, to that point, motorcycle, 
we have a strong association with MotoGP. Okay. Do you know MotoGP? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, perfect. So yeah. I think now I have a perfect angle to answer your question. Okay. So MotoGP has banners on the side mm -hmm. and it's bannered with liquid moly. Mm -hmm. The MotoGP motorcycles, they all use their secret oil. Mm -hmm. It's not disclosed. Uh -huh. But Moto2 and Moto3, which are the feeders of MotoGP, yep. yeah. they have homogeneous motorcycles. It's uh -huh. all the same, same brand, everything mm -hmm. the same, yep. including the oil. And the oil is liquid moly. For Moto2 and Moto3, all bikes in all series, wow. it's officially liquid moly. <laughs> so it's it's a requirement for them to use liquid moly. Yeah. What any MotoGP association use bad oil? No. Yeah. So they, they will use the best which is available in the market. Yeah. So we have the association. It's actually in all our oils of the motorcycle. This mm -hmm. is not a motorcycle oil. This is one. Yeah. See this black logo here? Yeah. It says Dorna approved Moto2 plus Moto3. Uh -huh. So all these motorcycles use it. There's your unique selling point. Mm -hmm. This specific 5W40 is exactly the oil which mm -hmm. all the Moto2 and all the Moto3 bikes race. Mm -hmm. So test it for extreme conditions. Right. So I think that is a good story then, mm -hmm. which my salespeople can bring to the motorcycle dealerships, mm -hmm. bring to the influencers, so they know that, they know the USP, and then, then they translate it to you. So mm -hmm. if you would happen to go to a motorcycle retail store, mm -hmm. the hope would be that one of my salespeople mm -hmm. would have visited that mm -hmm. and explained Liquid Moly, not only the specs approval, but also the story behind mm -hmm. the product. Yeah. So there you go. So if you hear that, Moto 2, Moto 3 uses our oil, it's mm -hmm. very likely that you'll be, to say the least, curious about it. Yeah, products. absolutely. I mean, I know also some of your um, aftermarket, uh, the, the complementary products, like the car care products, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm familiar mm -hmm. with those and uh, through the motorcycle uh, um, angle. That's yeah. so nice, the cross-selling aspect of it. Because many imagine. people who yeah. have motorcycles, obviously they have cars. So yeah. car owners have motorcycles. So the guy who used his in his Porsche, yeah. a Likumuli oil. Yeah. If he has a motorcycle and he likes the performance of our oil, it's very likely that he will look into Likumuli motorcycle yeah. too. So, and you do you don't do this in MotoGP. I think you're also involved with several racing series. I saw you at Formula One. What like yes. in my, in my, I was actually a bit envious because uh, <laughs> I saw you. I saw you there. Uh, were, were you actually down in the paddocks? I think no, were. we no. were not down in oh. the paddocks. We always have uh, visitors there, so okay. we run promotions, yeah, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. Yeah. and. Uh, we visit them and it's it's very challenging to get into the paddocks at Formula One. We do that with MotoGP, ah, which okay. is phenomenal. Yeah. But Formula One, it's such a crowded place yeah. and restrictions are super high. I can imagine. So yeah. we take our guests mostly to the fan areas, mm -hmm. to the really good seats. Yeah. But I hadn't had the pleasure yet to shake the hands of Max Verstappen, for example. <laughs> Maybe, <laughs> Maybe in future. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, I think he'll be the champion for many, many years. So, so I have more chances to <laughs> yeah, shake. Yeah, I his think hands. so. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Um, interesting. Okay, so but there is uh, there's some affiliation there. Then I, I know also like desert racing, uh, right? There is. Uh, do you sponsor a trophy truck? Is that or we used to? You used to with okay. Armin Schwarz. Yeah, he's yeah. a German rally driver. Ah, okay. He he was a long time in Bacha, so we sponsored him. Uh -huh. And for us, it's always important. So what we do is we 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 look at the segments mm -hmm. we want to or do currently work in. So mm -hmm. segment automotive. Okay. Funny enough, within automotive, there's different sub-segments. Mm -hmm. There is the segment of the Volkswagen Audi owners who mm -hmm. are very passionate about their Volkswagen. Right? Yep. There's, there's BMW car clubs. Mm -hmm. So we want to talk to the right people within these segments. Okay. So let's let's look real quick at the automotive segment. Mm -hmm. Then automotive, you have the BMW crowd. Mm -hmm. 
and they are very passionate about their cars. They go to their own car meets, mm -hmm. they have their own literature they read, their mm -hmm. own forums they read, mm -hmm. their own sometimes distributors they buy from. Mm -hmm. So we want to make sure we associate with them. Mm -hmm. And I think a keyword here is we want to speak the same language mm -hmm. as they do. Yeah. We want to have the same, ter same terminologies as they have. We right. want to relate to their issues because mm -hmm. if we know their issues, we might come up with a solution for their issues. Mm -hmm. Same with the power sports. Mm -hmm. So it's not that our and I don't want to call them salespeople. First and foremost, they're teammates. Mm -hmm. And secondly, they're not doing sales sales. They're more educators. Educators, yeah. So we want to make sure that our educators speak the same language as the segments. Mm -hmm. So the power sports people, for example, mm -hmm. they one of the requirements is they have to either own or know how to maneuver a side-by-side, -side, uh, a street bike, a dirt bike. Mm -hmm. So all our sales promoters for the power sports, they're they're. They're motorcyclists. Passionate, they know. yeah, about that. Yeah, because yeah, if you show up at a repair shop for motorcycles and if you don't even know how to ride a motorcycle, <laughs> guess how credible yeah. they think yeah, you yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. So they have to use our products, drive motorcycle, yeah. and be passionate about the brand. Yeah. And then, you know what? We let them go. And yeah. We give them a lot of freedom. So. Yeah. And mostly they actually provide back by doing a great job for us. That is so interesting, yeah. So you mentioned earlier that a lot of this has like, let's say the Mercedes stamp of approval already, right? Or yeah. any other OEM, right, in, in, in Europe. And then your job is really to educate here and let people know it's like, hey, look, this would actually like exactly. uh, risk management, right? It's like, this is a high performance oil, you know, that's already been improved by the OEM. So th there's like zero risk for you exactly. just use this product. Yeah. And what I love about my job, and I think, my own teammates appreciate that too. Mm -hmm. We're not pushy at all. Mm -hmm. We really add value to the repair shops mm -hmm. by educating, training, giving them sales tools. Because mm -hmm. many of our repair shops, they're amazing techs, mm -hmm. but they struggle time-wise to take care about their appearance of their business, sure. of anything mm -hmm. that related, right? Because they truly love repairing cars mm -hmm. or motorcycles. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to signboards, mm -hmm outside of the shop they don't have the connection the time the knowledge the willingness to I don't know, tomorrow tomorrow mm -hmm. it's like not on their priority mm -hmm. list and it makes sense because they have to repair the cars which are lined up and take up all the space right, right. so we do add a lot of value mm -hmm. which i love because at the end of the day the business is just a result of us being good people and good supporters of their businesses of their businesses yeah, yeah. and yeah. then the result will be you know what they will buy from us because it's it's amazing product, mm -hmm. it's good quality, mm -hmm. and it helps them to grow. Some mm -hmm. love to associate themselves with a brand like Likumuli, which is kind of everywhere, Formula One, all the racing teams. Mm -hmm. So if their, if their very own logo mm -hmm. is next to our logo on mm -hmm. a signboard on the outside, they love that. It's a win-win for them. It's a win-win for us, yeah. it's for them, it's more customers come in, so it's a... It's a, it's a great journey we did the last five years. Yeah, that's fantastic. So you're really tackling the OEM side. So I guess, well, this was more the aftermarket side. Like on the OEM side, like do you, like I know what Mercedes says, what, 300 dealers in the US, something like that? Yeah. Something, right? Like yeah. something along the so, so then you go to each one of them um, and, and you try to have your sales folks influence them or and let so, them know that this is a listed product? Or? Exactly. Yeah. So, our bread and butter is the aftermarket. Yeah. And we do want to stick to that. Okay. We do want to support, let me just give you, Joe's Muffler Shop. Sure. We want to support that guy. Yeah. Because uh, in, our, in our universe, mm -hmm. he appreciates more our support on the marketing side, education versus the dealership. Sure. Uh, BMW dealership. Mm -hmm. They have all the support, all the need, all the education. They have their 
corporate identity, mm -hmm. they are not even allowed to put a sticker outside, okay. right? Mm -hmm. So their need from us to support in that way mm -hmm. is not as high. Mm -hmm. Plus, they always have certain agreements where they have to use the original oil mm -hmm. to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. So entering that market is a little bit more challenging. But funny enough, more and more business is coming to us. Because you're doing such a good job on the aftermarket side. It appears so. Like yeah. our, our people are really, truly amazing human beings mm -hmm. who form relationships also with these people. And yeah. the quality speaks for itself. We mm -hmm. have the approval mm -hmm. of a BMW plant, for example. And yeah. So they are allowed to, they, they can absolutely use our oil. It's just a matter of getting the relationship, getting in there mm -hmm. and getting also the distribution in there, which we are now doing a better job than five, six years ago, distribution wise. Yeah. Yeah. Because... Most of these dealerships need bigger quantities. So mm -hmm. you need an oil tanker filling in oil to the right. tanks, right? right? And some of our current distributors have cars and they deliver our five liter jugs mm -hmm. with cars to the aftermarket. Mm -hmm. Guess what? You don't want to deliver five liter jugs to a dealership, sure. which then you have to pour in a thousand in their big tanks. Sure. Right? So, but now we do have the logistics and the distribution to get access to these dealerships. To these dealerships as well. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's great. Yeah, that's, so uh, it's a, I mean, it seems like, how do you, um, uh, I guess there's big warehousing in the, in the United States for the products, right? Or how, how do you handle that? We do, do have a warehouse. Yeah. But the focus on that is more, because everything is made in Germany so right. far, right? All the oils and all the additives. Right. So our focus is to, to deliver it to the States in the most efficient way. Mm -hmm. The most efficient way appears to not be touch the product in Germany, mm -hmm. ship it to our warehouse, which is in Tennessee, right? and then touch it, warehouse it, yeah. cost. Yeah. Pick and pack, cost. Mm -hmm. And then you sub-distribute it again to somewhere else. Sure. To that other location, then it has to be warehoused again. Mm -hmm. And pick then and from pack. there, yeah. pick and pack. And then it has to be shipped to the yeah. either end consumer or it has to be shipped to a repair shop, which mm -hmm. then uses our product. Mm -hmm. So the most efficient way for us right now is to literally ship it from Germany to the distributors directly. Mm -hmm. So they just have to touch it one time until it lands at the repair shop. And it goes there, okay. We do have a, we do have a warehouse though, because there is always a certain product which is needed. There is an opportunity we want to start sure, a distributor. Sure. So sure. it's kind of a, we kickstart business. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. What a great business and uh, what a run um, you've had. Um, it was fun. Yeah, I can And imagine. still is fun. Yeah, sure, yeah. Fun. I mean, there's lots, lots to come. I mean, it's a huge business, you know, so. Maybe um, let's talk a little bit about the, because um, I think you have a really good hold of this, being a German that has uh, come here, you know, from the German headquarter and is succeeding, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, what are some of the pitfalls of, uh, you know, working with the German headquarter being kind of on this lonely island that's called <laughs> North America, you know, yeah. leading, leading, leading a subsidiary? I think, I think the challenge is probably... The challenges I have are challenges other German subsidiaries here have with German headquarters, mm -hmm. right? We're speaking about not only a language barrier, mm -hmm. I think most Germans actually know English quite well. Mm -hmm. Although they sometimes don't want to speak it, which is one challenge. <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I do have to say when we have sometimes meetings, uh, it's uh, some people are just... Although they're better than they think they are in mm -hmm. the English language, but they kind of are shy speaking English on the phone in front of their other German colleagues. Right, so right, they're right. They're shy, right? Yeah, yeah. But more than the language, there's a cultural difference mm -hmm. in doing things. Mm -hmm. So I just feel, and I'm, I'm, I'm really speaking about general things. There's sure. always exceptions, yeah. and I have met Germans who are super into taking risk and not, but yeah. just generally. This is a generalization the, for sure. The, yeah. The, the, the culture here, I do feel there is more entrepreneurship. There is more willing to take certain risks. Mm -hmm. 
I feel an entrepreneur or somebody who tries to work out things or tries to hustle to have his own little business mm -hmm. is way more respected than in Germany. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, he really tried. It's really, yeah. I, I feel it's, you're an employee in Germany for a big corporation. It's like, oh yeah, you made it. Yeah. In the US, yeah, it's it's good, but you made it if you're an entrepreneur, you're yourself, you're a self-made right. man. And also, if this person fails, I think the US is much more forgiving than we are in Germany. Exactly, more yeah. people do it. It's, yeah. more, it's more a daily thing, which you see your right. neighbors do it, mm -hmm. he does it. Yeah. In Germany, it's kind of, at least the, the the places I've been to, the people I know, it's an exception to mm -hmm. try to make your own business. Right. At least the people I spend time with, right? I, so. I agree too. And it's 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 also we're talking about perceptions, how it feels, right? It's yeah. not we're not talking about a individual or a region. It's just how it feels. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. So so the 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 willingness to take risk, I feel in general in business, mm -hmm. is bigger here mm -hmm. than in Germany, mm -hmm. and that's. I had to learn that. Mm -hmm. I always kind of like taking risks, but again, remember the security net. I do like to know my calculated risk. If I fall, that's the that's the bottom line. Yep. And this bottom line will not make me end up uh, being like not having a roof over my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that cultural difference is one big aspect, but also the motivational part. Mm -hmm. In German, we have a saying. I'm sure you heard it. Nicht geschimpft ist gelobt genug. Yeah. Difficult to translate it. So if I don't... If I don't uh, tell you that you did something wrong, this is enough of praise. Praise to yeah, you. Yeah. So, which is maybe even only Swabian, right? No, 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 no. It's a yeah, yeah. So, like, if you don't hear from your boss ever, yeah. you do a good job. Yeah. You know what? You do a good job because yeah. he didn't complain. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but here in the states, I feel that you 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 have to take a more proactive approach to mm -hmm. motivate your people. Yes. Speak more positively. Mm -hmm. Speak about your successes. Mm -hmm. People, if you speak about the successes, also a good benefit here is. People seem to be less, they envy you in a positive way mm -hmm. if you're successful. Mm -hmm. You as a business, you as an individual. Mm -hmm. Versus in Germany, sometimes uh, it's not always wise to to show that you're very successful. Yeah, there's a difference between envy and jealousy. I don't know which one is which. Envy, uh, I think, is more positive, right? Jealous is more the negative, that's the right. bitter taste. Envy is, uh, you know, um, you did well, and I would like to figure out how to get that as well. Please tell me how to. Right, yeah. yeah. And the other one would be, you did well, I don't want you to have it. Yes, yeah. exactly. But I don't know I'm which sure one is you only which. have it. You only yeah. have it because of your grandfather gave you the yeah. money. Yeah, or you cheated like someone. You yeah, must have yeah. done something wrong, right? Like that's yeah. that's in Germany. Is like how how in the heck does he have this and I don't have that kind yeah. of thing? Yeah, so I really like yeah. in the states the positiveness of success. Yeah, I agree. People yeah. are very positive about it. They love it. They they approach you. They hey, mm -hmm. how did you do it? Mm -hmm. Love it. Let me be your friend. Mm -hmm. It's really it's 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 amazing, and mm -hmm. I love that. And you have to adapt because if you're going with that German mindset and culture to here. People don't, I'm going as far as saying people don't want to work for you. Mm -hmm. If you're mostly negative, yep. not motivating, mm -hmm. and if you don't praise your people, mm -hmm. if you take certain things, like it's, it's, it's not what the people here love. Yeah, so, what, what they used to really and expect, you know. Sure. Um, yeah. And I, I know some of my German friends, they make fun of that we in the States always say, oh, it's awesome, yeah, it's yeah. cool. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's true. Dude, that's the language, that's the way it works here. Yeah. And to be truthful, I love that. My Personally, I love having the small talks with people. I love yep. I love it. Why not being positive? Because yep. if you're positive, positive things will happen. Well, the thing is for a German, it comes across as superficial, right? Like it's, it, and it is sometimes superficial. Let's be honest about that yeah. as well. Yeah. But um, the, the, the general mood is positive. 
um, instead of the general mood being, you know, realistic or sometimes actually rude, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, which I, I must agree with you too. I, yeah. I like that very much. And, as well. and I have a, a lot of German friends who are not like that. So I do yeah. want to point that out. We're not yeah. generalizing. It's, no. it's the experiences yes. I made with yeah. a lot of people, but there's not only exceptions, there's a, a broad mass in Germany, yeah. which I know they maybe would like to be that way. But guess what? If you're very friendly and you're saying hello to everyone and yeah. you get five times a mad face, you yeah. probably stop saying hello to everyone. Yeah. It's, it's a cultural thing sometimes, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Versus here, it's exactly the other way around. You're here <laughs> at the grocery store. Yeah. And the person asks you, how's your day? Yeah. And I love responding, amazing. How's yours? Yeah. Ah, yeah, blah, blah. What are, so, and, and as far as like, oh, what, what plans do you have for the weekend? Yeah. Where if you live in Germany, you moved here, you're like weirded out. Like, why would this person ask me what I'm doing at the weekend? But here, it's kind of normal. You get from A to B to C and it happened to me too. Like. I found common connections with the person who was taking my money at the cashier yeah. at the grocery store. Yeah. All of a sudden you have opportunities coming up. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, on, I'm on the same side. It's very superficial, mm -hmm. but that superficiality leads into friendships, opportunities, yeah. whatever, because it's an icebreaker. Yeah, it is. It's an just a natural icebreaker yeah. to ask, how's your day? Yeah. What are you up to? Whatever. Yeah. Which then leads to more. And you learn to deal with it. Like if you if you right. want to not have that kind of interaction, there's a way to do that the American way as well. And exactly. you learn to, you know, it's like, I mean, how many times have you tell us, oh yeah, we got to do that sometime. Yeah. Or let's grab coffee sometime. That's a very American way of saying, we'll never have that coffee. <laughs> yeah, but, but it, it's, it's, it's totally fine. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. And I always had this prejudice that uh, people that say exactly that, they invite yeah. you. But you know what? If you make an effort to actually see these people then again, it's gonna happen. Oh, it's gonna happen. It's sure. gonna happen. It's gonna so. happen. I one hundred percent agree with you. It's uh, it's um, it's 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 a definitely it's a much more positive outlook on on, on things in general. Exactly. And they're much friendly people. Well, we're, I think we're we're uh, coming to an end of, of the podcast. That was fast. Uh, I know. <laughs> I could talk. I could keep going. But we'll do it again. I'll tell you that. I would love to. Yeah. Well, let's go for a coffee. One day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sure. No, I'm yeah. just kidding. But that but, coffee will happen. Yeah, yeah definitely. Happen. It already has and will again. Yes. Um, no, very cool. Tell us, um, is there any anything special going on at Liquimoli that you'd like to promote? Any positions you're trying to fill? Where can people find you? I know you're very active, social media channels and such. Maybe you want to promote that for our listeners. I mean, uh, yes, we're always looking, as I said, for good people. If you think you can add value to a fast-growing team, you're flexible, please apply. And uh, you can reach Where us Where would they at, apply? Yeah. Sorry. You can reach us at uh, liquimoli.com mm -hmm. or our Instagram, liquimoli.usa.canada. Mm -hmm. Or just look up my personal name. Like I, I literally had applicants. We had people applying mm -hmm. from Germany and we hired them mm -hmm. reaching out on my personal Instagram. That's cool. So Sebastian.Zelger1 yeah. if, if, if that is an option. So I know sure. there's many channels. LinkedIn, Liquimoli. LinkedIn, my personal name, Sebastian Zelger. So mm -hmm. yeah, whichever way I'm checking all these social medias, emails, mm -hmm. messages. And yeah, we're a fast growing team. We would like to continue fast growing. Mm -hmm. To do that, we need the good teammates. So. Gotcha. Yeah, perfect. Well, hey, once again, thank you so much for telling us all about Liquimoli, telling Pleasure. us about you. It was awesome to have you. Uh, thank, thank you so very much. much. Thank you so much, Matthias. Also, uh, appreciate being here. Mm -hmm. Appreciate your services. I know you helped us out already, and mm -hmm. we will continue to work together in certain fields. Thank you. So mm -hmm. thanks for your help. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's sometimes nice to chit-chat with another German fellow yeah. and speak about the opportunities we have in this country. Yeah, so, absolutely. Thanks for your help. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you.